Hi, it's Jamie, Progressive's Employee of the Month, two months in a row. Leave a message at the... Hi, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. I just had a new idea for our song about the Name Your Price tool. So when it's like, tell us what you want to pay, hey, 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 and the trombone goes, blah, 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 and you say, we'll help you find coverage options to fit your budget. Then we just all do finger snaps while a choir goes, savings coming at ya, savings coming at ya. Yes? No? Maybe? Anyway, see your practice tonight. I got new lyrics for the rap break. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jazz have yet to lead in the second half. Gobert rolling into the basket. Ball fakes three times. Kicks back to Gordon. Three with five on the clock. Jazz lead it by three. 82-79, 11, two run behind two Gordon Hayward threes. You are Locked On Jazz. Your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Locked On Jazz for the 8th of October. The boys are back in town. A song we probably never need to hear again inside the arena. But it's true. Updating you on Gordon and Derek and Dante and the crew as I've been back at the facility seeing all the guys this week. We'll do that. Plus, we'll run around the league. The Jazz signed Quincy Ford. What that means, extensions will be a big story in the upcoming month. And I'll actually touch on Colin Kaepernick. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA Insider. This is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's show is brought to you by Devin Cash. Devin Cash Equity Real Estate. Get a pair of jazz season tickets if you buy a house with Devin Cash. I'll tell you more about that. Upcoming update on the Locked On Podcast Network. On an NBA side, we've created the NBA channel, which just funnels you all of the NBA shows if you're just that big a fan. Josh Lloyd of uh, Locked On Fantasy Basketball has been doing uh, fabulous work with previews of every team. Uh, I did my jazz preview with him. It was the last edition of Locked On. Jazz Cleveland Cavaliers season preview uh, is up as well, plus the Hornets and the Knicks. He's done mostly Eastern Conference. He'll move into the West here in the upcoming. And on the NFL side of things, I don't know who your NFL team is, but we, unless it's the Arizona Cardinals, have that show up and ready for you. Uh, there's one other team we don't have right now. Cincinnati Bengals uh, and also and some cool stuff going on uh, the Cowboys and Giants play this week and the Lockdowns combined for a show uh, the uh, Chargers and the Chiefs combined on a show the somebody else did too who was the other one uh, Jaguars and Packers combined on a show so make sure you go grab those those are great previews if you're going to watch the, uh, any of those games this weekend Locked on Fantasy Football as well and if you're a draft Nick we have a Locked on NFL Drafts the Locked on Podcast Network continues to explode do crazy things be very exciting I, of course as I've said before it would not have happened without you uh, I greatly greatly appreciate it alright Jazz fans on the upcoming end of things um I think the big stuff we have coming up in this month, I think there'll be an arena renovation announcement, and they'll, they'll reveal the incredible plans of what they're doing, and then before the month is over, we'll have Media Day. So we're going to kind of click in. Uh, tomorrow we will not have a Locked on Jazz, but I'm going to try to get to five days a week starting next week.
Uh, we'll interview some people around the league, uh, teams that you're interested in, uh, things of that nature, uh, and just check in with various hosts around the Lockdown Podcast Network and see what's going on. Let's do our pins across the world. Remember, you can email me at dlock09 at gmail.com to give me your pin across the world. It's your story of how you became a jazz-slash-NBA fan and uh, along the way, as well as... Uh, you know, yeah, really, that's it, Where and where you're listening from. So, for example, Carl Webb is today's focus of the pin across the world. He is in downtown Salt Lake City, but I listen to your podcast once while on vacation in Cambodia. My friend made fun of me for listening to your podcast while on vacation. However, the same friend later went on to become one of your broadcast assistants, uh, Jeff Kinsel. Oh, he was so cool. Uh, he was such a great dude. I wonder what he's up to. Uh, considering he didn't listen to tip-off and would have... Uh, wouldn't have known to apply had I not told him about the openings. Actually, well, that's worth me mentioning then. Uh, we are accepting applications right now for the Utah Jazz Broadcast Assistant. It's unquestionably the number one feeder into jobs in this marketplace. Uh, it's led a lot of really, really talented people to uh, get broadcast jobs in this business. So only apply if you're very, very serious about getting into broadcasting. Not if you just want to spend a year with the Jazz Broadcast crew. It's not that interesting. It's a lot of work. So email me, dlock at utahjazz.com. At utahjazz.com. Not my uh, other one. So uh, anyway, that's good to get that up there. Thank you, Carl. He sent this in January, and your timing was perfect. Uh, I've been listening to Tip Off ever since. I love your inside information. I grew up in Hebrew and have been a jazz fan my whole life. My dad told me stories of when the team first came to Utah. We would walk down to the Salt Palace after work, occasionally catch the second half of games for free. I guess the team was so terrible back then, they were desperate to get anyone in the stands. I credit my dad for making me a fan. I was a season ticket holder last year. It was fun to take him to a few games. I'm recently married, so I couldn't justify ticket expense this year, but I do catch a few on your radio broadcast. Keep up the good work. I appreciate your efforts. That's Carl Webb. By the way, Jazz season tickets are available right now, and uh, they include, uh, kind of crazy, they include a eight-day, seven-night stay in Mexico. Lower bowl seats start at $42 per game. Upper bowl start at 6 And I would tell you that one of the major things on the renovation is an improvement to the upper bowl. That will not be this season. It would be next year, but you might want to do that. You also, by the way, you get playoff ticket access uh, with those season tickets, so you may want to do that. All right, let's get to our tip-off story of the day, and it's really just seeing the guys. Uh, It's been great fun to be back in the gym and see everything that's going on, Uh, and I just wanted to share some of my impressions. Nothing particularly, I guess, maybe it's all newsworthy, but uh, the first one was Joe Johnson just has a presence to him. It was just Having Joe Johnson in the gym yesterday just had a little something to him. There were some times where Joe and Gordon were – playing at each other and, you know, guarding each other. And, and uh, they're, they're just in an open gym for them. There's a lot of individual work. There's a lot of guys just working on shooting. There's, um, you know, some various breakout things that these guys are all doing. It's not particularly organized or coached or anything like that. So, uh, but so just to see Joe, first of all, he's big. He's just a, he's a, he's just a physical specimen. Uh, second thing, there's just something to him. You know, he just, you can just kind of feel that there's, uh, as I think I said on Josh, not a very good analogy, but as I said on Josh Lloyd's uh, fantasy, Lockdown Fantasy Basketball Podcast, you know, he's just like the old computer days when you had the computer paper on a, on a spool, I think it's called, and it used to run out like if you accidentally or like even a, and I feel like he's just got a resume that spools out behind him. 
And and that has something to do. Speaking of that, Boris Diaw was in town. One of the coaches said to me, oh, my gosh, I just talked to Boris Diaw in the training room and uh, had a conversation that, you know, you just don't have with, with very many guys. Um, and so that adds uh, – that adds an element to just that experience and the resume these guys have now inside. I had a nice conversation with Boris. Boris, he just seems like an incredibly uh, personable, nice guy, uh, interesting, uh, thoughtful, really, really, really cool. Uh, the word on the workouts is that Gor- well, Gordon's mammoth. I mean, I, I don't – and he's so strong. And his, he was in the gym every morning at 7 a.m. all year. Uh, people I've talked to just said, I, we didn't think he could take it to another level. He did. His obsession with being great is at an all-time high uh, while simultaneously being the father of two. And I had a nice conversation with him about what that's like. And he was talking about just when you walk in, his little girl looks at him and just runs to him and how there's no feeling he's ever had like that in his life. Uh, so, you know, it's it's been fabulously interesting to watch him grow up. Uh, it's the value of being a season ticket holder, frankly, is that if you're, you know, you're a season ticket holder, you get to see these things up close, experience them, uh, watch him and watch him grow and, and be there for the whole run and, and just who he is now uh, as a person. I haven't talked to Derek yet, but when he came out of the weight room at one point and walked across the court, the presence was just significant. The word is, and we'll see if this turns out that Derek really came to a realization in the offseason that, you know what, I can go on what, what I'm doing. I'm, I'm good. I'll be six and 16 and 10, 16 and 8 or 9 for the rest of my career. I'll have an incredibly successful career and be really, really rich. Or I can try to be great. And I think just with maturity and age and maybe the fear of the injury last year that for the first time, uh, Derek – He's always worked hard. I mean, that's evident when you look at the fact that he has the way he's improved his shooting numbers tells you that he puts the time in. But the the murmur, and obviously this happens every year out of excitement, the murmur around him right now feels a little different. Feels as though there's a level of of work that maybe has been surpassed this year than in years past. So this is all very exciting. The most interesting story to me that has kind of circulated back to me is Trey Lyles. Someone said, hey, this is great because our veterans, our guys, not the new veterans, but our guys, Gordon and Derek, just set the standard for work this year. And we're just at a level that we, we just have maybe never seen before and we're incredible. And then the, the maybe the coolest next comment was Trey Lyles wasn't far behind. Okay, well, if Trey Lyles is not far behind, uh, that's an incredible sign because that tells you his what his commitment level is. It also, I think, tells you uh, that he didn't rest on his laurels at all. He had such a good end of the season last year that, you know, some, you could kind of sometimes expect that young kid to be a little too, too cool for school, and that didn't happen. Uh, and that's been the book on Trey the whole time. His dad's been his workout guy, uh, really puts him through the strides. And, uh, you know, Trey's interesting because if you look at Trey, he's 6'10", about 235 or so, and doesn't look it at all. His body's just so kind of comfortably in that realm, in that size. that He doesn't look as though he has that type of size and strength to him. And that makes him, to me, particularly interesting in what he's going to be able to do uh, as a player. So 
Uh, that was cool. Great conversation with Howell Neto. He's just such a nice young man, 24 years old, growing up here in the NBA. Uh, wonderful time in Brazil with the Olympics. He certainly wanted to win. He, that Argentina-Brazil game, he said, was just an incredible game to be a part of. Obviously, they, they lost that, and that was crushing. Uh, but the Olympics in his hometown uh, were just were just remarkable. Uh, so that was nice. Shelvin Mack, uh, you can just tell Shelvin Mack just plays basketball all the time. You just look at him, and he's out on the floor, and he's comfortable. He just, this is a guy, I'll bet he spent, play, I bet you he found a pickup game every day. It's just who he is and, and what he does. Uh, so it, it's just been great. Nice conversation with Rudy. It's just so fun to have everyone back in town. And the amount of guys in town also, uh, tells you what kind of commitment these guys have for this team to be really good. There's, an, there's a real excitement level amongst the guys about the team. And there's a real excitement level about everybody about the team. I mean, you got to stay healthy. Uh, what's interesting is I've kind of made it my habit to ask everyone that I see there um, and these are people that know the team and around. What's the thing to you that's the key for this to be an exceptional season? When I say exceptional, I mean working yourself. Uh, and, and this is maybe an absurd expectation, considering, as we've talked about before, this group has never won a game of any value themselves. Uh, but what is uh, what is that? And so, um, and and what I, you know, so I'm talking about probably being top four in the West. And when I really think exceptional, you know, moving in on two or three, suddenly being someone someone doesn't want to play in the playoffs, that's a, that's a quantum jump, but I think there's a chance. And so I've asked that question, what is it? And what I find very interesting is I get a lot of different answers. Uh, I get my answer is that Rodney Hood and Rudy Gobert make substantial stretch jumps because they're starters in a, uh, for the second time in their NBA career. When I talk to other people, I get that Trey Lyles has to be really good. Um, and it's, so there's two ways to look at this. One is, wow, we actually have a lot more things that have to happen depending on your point of view. Or the other angle on it would be, wow, we have the, key, the possibility of so many different things happening uh, along the way. So I think that's, that's really uh it's exciting stuff. What, I mentioned this on the podcast with Josh Lloyd, but I wanted to get to it again. Zach Harper, who uh, does live in Salt Lake, and uh, which really matters absolutely none to this conversation, so I'm not sure why I just said that. Uh, but he does really good work. I, I really like him. I'm going to see if he might be want to do another Locked on NBA next week. Uh, he's done some really cool stuff recently. He did the starters, and he did the bench play. And my favorite thing he's done is how teams rank on open threes. I, I, it was really, it's a great piece. I'm doing, I do so much prep this time of year for the season, and when someone writes something like that, I mean, I'm just cutting and pasting in those notes into, into every single team page I have. And uh, I just pulled up that, and he, the only problem with his site is that they play music. Um, but it was a good song. A little Aerosmith is never bad in the middle of the program. So thank you for that, CBS Sports. But here was what Zach did. So last year the Jazz shot 38.3% on wide open threes. Uh, 39% of our threes were wide, were open attempts. Uh, Gordon shot 40%. Hood shot 40%. Lyle shot 39%. Ingles shot 45%. Remember, Ingles was unreal from the right corner. Now, what was interesting is Neto on wide open threes shot 33%. 
Mac shot thir- and 38, by the way, is right on league average. Mac shot 33%. Chris Johnson shot 28%. Uh, Chris Johnson really going to have a tough time making this uh, roster. So those three guys were considerably behind the 38.6%. And that's why when you consider that Hayward's at 40 and Hood's at 40 and Lyles is at 39 and Ingles is at 45, that those three guys really making it so that the Jazz weren't. So what have the Jazz replaced that with? Well, uh, Diaw hit 39% of his open threes last year. So first of all, the Jazz just added a shooter in a position they didn't have one because Trevor Booker shot, I think, about 25% outside of 10 feet last year. Uh, Joe Johnson hit, and I'll tell you, just watching him just kind of in, in, when he puts it up, you just think it's going in. He hit 39% between uh, Brooklyn and Miami last year. And then George Hill hit 45%. Zach Harper's assumption there is that the Jazz might be one of the best three-point shooting teams in basketball next year. But that's something, you know, if you go take Howell Neto's 30 2.8% 2.8% and to Hill's 44% and assume that that's, well, let's just call that one a game, right? And you're at 13 percentage points more. Uh, that's about half a point a game. It's not quite, but it's it's right in there. Half a point a game is two wins. A win, a point is 3.7. So, I mean, that's, that's enormous. You go start adding all of these together, and you put Joe Johnson in for Chris Johnson, and that's 12 percentage points. That's another few wins. This is, these are the things that get you excited. Uh, by the way, Devin Cash, Equity Real Estate, if you're looking for a house, Devin has been a huge supporter of the Locked On Jazz uh, show. And if you're looking to buy or sell your house, Give Devin a call. I'm not telling you you have to use him, but I'm telling you, you because I have no right to do that, you should talk to him and see what he has to say and what insight he can bring to you. You know, when Charity and Ryan used him, uh, they said that his knowledge and experience helped reduce the worry in a sometimes stressful situation and his tireless, hardworking kindness in every, every interaction made him supported every step of the way. Devin, when I've talked to him, says, I approach real estate with a heart of a teacher. So that's the kind of guy you're getting. Now, the market right now is pretty good, right? Rates are historically low, so it's a good time to buy. If you're going to sell your house, the first thing you need to do is have Devin give you a market analysis to help determine your home's value. Then uh, you can figure out, okay, what can we do in the marketplace? Where can our family go? You know, just an exciting but also stressful time. I know I have good friends that go through it, and you need someone you really believe in through the process. So call Devin, 801-759-1495. You're thinking about buying a house. Is it worth the risk? Devin loves working with first-time home buyers, and he promises you won't deal with secretaries, receptions, coordinators, or anyone else like that. You'll deal with Devin exactly. 801-759-1495. If you just want to text him, he's welcome to do that as well. 801 801- 759-1495. Two free jazz season tickets when you buy or sell your home with Devin. 801-759-1495. It's Devin Cash, Equity Real Estate. All right, let's run around uh, the league a little bit on things. The uh, first one is the big story coming up for the year is going to be the extensions. We'll talk about it a lot Uh 
Basketball Insider did some interesting pieces. There was one line in the article about, by Basketball Insider in which Gobert could be nearly done developing at 24 years old, though. Something the casual observer perhaps the casual observer perhaps doesn't consciously realize that like what we've seen out of Rudy could be Rudy. Ah, my feeling on that is after this year, what we've seen out of Rudy is Rudy. I really second year as a starter. Give him another year as a starter before you put the book on. Then you have the the subtle progressive advancements from just being older, smarter, and getting better. But in regards to, like, is he ever going to be an offensive player? Is he ever going to – this would be the year where if there's a brand-new aspect of his game, you would probably see it. I, I don't know if we'll see that. It's an interesting offseason, though, because that draft that Gobert was a part of, what it really has become is that draft has become uh, a big-man draft. You know, it's a it's a weird, funky draft. Giannis Adetokounmpo is – kind of the wing player, but most of the best players of that draft are now uh, Stephen Adams, Nolene Noel, Gorgie Dang, Plumley. They're all bigs. Gobert. There's one or two others in that, uh, Alex Len. Uh, so that became really a big man draft. Like Kevin O'Connor said to me right before that draft, he's like, people are missing this. You've got to walk out of this draft with a big Kelly Olynyk. Um, and he said, and that's when he said to me, we could walk out with two. You know, they, they were, there was a chance the Jazz were going to walk out while having Favors, Cantor, uh, maybe even Jefferson and Millsap on the roster at the time, that there was a chance they were going to walk out with Olenek and Gobert in that draft because those were the players that they thought were going to be the best uh, and that were available. And uh, so it really be, did become the big man draft. The only wings of interest are Schroeder as a point guard is kind of – and that point guard draft has become a mess. And uh, other than C.J. McCollum – who really, the miss on C.J. McCollum by people, including the Jazz, was that he wasn't a point guard. And Portland, to their credit, has found a way to use him as a two-guard with Damian Lillard as a point guard, and he's become wildly successful. But when, I know for a, I know a coach in the league whose job it was to evaluate every point guard that year. So that's Trey Burke and Michael Carter-Williams and Dennis Schroeder and C.J. McCollum, and there's a fifth I'm not th- I can't think of right now off the top of my head, and his report back to his organization was none of these guys are NBA starters. None of these guys are NBA starters. Uh, Schroeder is getting a chance. What's interesting is the, the Hawks have to make a decision on what they're willing to do extension-wise with Schroeder before he d- takes his first moment as leader of their team. And Schroeder's weakness has largely been an off-court personality leadership issue. So you don't know as of right now. I mean, one thing that's very telling is that that German national team, whenever he was on the floor, was not very good. And that's the only other time he's been a leading point guard in the NBA. So that's a huge story. Oladipo's a free is a, another guy uh, in this draft, and he's now in Oklahoma City for his first year. Are they really going to max him out or give him a huge deal before he ever plays a game for them? And so that becomes interesting. And then there's two guys that are really interesting. This is good. This is a good article at BasketballInsiders.com uh, by Otto Por- about uh, in regards to Otto Porter and Contavious Caldwell Pope, and. What's interesting about those guys uh, is that I'm not sure either of them are any good. I think Otto Porter's probably okay. I'm not sure that Contavious Caldwell Pope is good. I'm really, I, I, I really, I really am not totally certain on that. 
And so this is making this extension period of time really interesting. Even moreover, what's interesting is extensions are going to be hard to sign because they take up so much cap space. The way that the Wizards let Bradley Beal go to free agency and Kawhi Leonard with the Spurs, and then they both were able to sign them, is going to be the route because right now you're taking guys whose uh, cap hold is somewhere between uh, $2 million and $6 million, and if you max them out – at 25 or 30 million, you've just lost 24 million dollars of cap space the next year, and that's going to make it incredibly difficult uh, to sign those deals. All right, I want to talk about uh, Kaepernick and Steve Kerr had some interesting comments, but I want to remind you as well, NFL fans, there is the national show Locked On NFL with Matt Williamson that is very, very strong. And NBA fans, Josh Lloyd is doing the Locked On fantasy basketball previews of all the teams, and I strongly suggest you getting those. All right, so Jabari Parker has uh, – actually, let me do Steve Kerr first. Uh, Kerr, I just thought had an interesting comment. The thing that's different will be our lack of rim protection. We had great rim protection with Bogut and Azili. Uh, both these guys are gone, and uh, Zaza's a very good rim defender, but more of a positional guy than a shot blocker. It's so true. He's, he's actually – the defensive numbers is when Zaza's on the floor, team's defenses are good, but it's only because he's positioned correctly. Uh, so there's definitely adjustments, said Kerr, we'll have to make even schematically. We'll have some growing pains, especially on defense, as we try to make sure we get everything right and comfortable. Zaza's really a drop and control the area guy positionally rather than a blitz out guy, but he's not a rim def- He's not the rim watcher that Bogut and Azili were. Bogan and Azili are two of the better rim defenders uh, in the league. The three main guys at the bench, Iguodala, Livingston, and West, they're pretty good, Kerr said. There's no doubt we'll miss Barbosa's speed and we'll miss Moe's shooting. We'll miss Festus's rim protection. No doubt we'll miss all that. They, they signed an interesting kid in the draft, uh, Damian Jones out of Vanderbilt, but the word is he's not going to be ready. So, um, uh, you know, really interesting here. All right, on the Kaepernick thing, I Actually, I, I'm very clear on what I think about it, and I will offend many people because anytime you have a, a issue like this that has a toxicity, if you're toxicity, if you're clear on how you feel, then you offend people. So I don't want to do that. But what I think's very interesting about this, from a sports angle of what's taking place, is the empowerment that our athletes are feeling right now to be able to make statements. And I think an empowerment maybe. Um, What's, what's particularly interesting, and this has been talked about a lot, and um, is that there's a, there's a void in African-American leadership in our country uh, ever, frankly, since Martin Luther King got assassinated in Memphis in 1968. There, and, and, I mean, I, this gets really deep, and I, I'm not totally intending, but I do want to just – I mean, this also might be because um, – Part of the reason is it's awfully hard to become an African-American leader if you have a dominant culture that's trying to break you down. Like, I think that's I think you have to uh, comment on that um, when you comment about the lack of African-American leadership. But because there is a lack of African-American cultural uh, civil rights leadership in our country right now, um, you know, if you were to name the three most prominent African-American leaders, I don't think one, I don't think we'd come up with the same names Two, I think it would be really dependent on how you view situations. And that shows some of the fragmentation that's taking place. What we're beginning to see culturally take place is that athletes are, African-American particularly athletes, are bonding together 
to support each other in statements about where we are culturally as a country because they are the African-Americans who have the platform to create a reaction or create a commentary. And I think that's, frankly, really good for our country. Um, I think there's incredible value. Whether whether we, we we are paying the price for this and we have lost the entire Madisonian idea of a marketplace of ideas. The University of Chicago president had some interesting comments about where we are recently and trying to get rid of safe places. And there's just the dis- – I'm not sure I agree with them, but again, I love the discussion. Um, I love the fact that it opens up a discussion. Discussion at times will be painful and insult and, be hurt and probably hurt people, but the discussion is important. It's really, really important. And so to me, these things are, I think this is really, really valuable. I think it's really interesting. And then the last thing is we're asking very, very young men to step into a landscape in a situation where they are, if they make a statement like Kaepernick did, or even I think Jabari with the Instagram post, they are now going to have to answer for it in a very difficult circumstance at an age and a development that is probably not at a level where they're totally prepared for that. If you, the, the stunning part of Dr. Martin Luther King is how, how quickly he runs up the chain and ends up, and it has to do with the fact that the SLCC and some other groups were divided and there were, and Abernathy and all these other guys and there were problems inside. You know, if one took the leadership, then the other group was offended and Dr. King was inexperienced enough that he could navigate through that landscape to rise up to the top and unify everybody uh, in, in these various groups in the civil rights movement. He, he still, by that time, had got his Ph.D., had finished a four-year college, and was incredibly schooled by a father who's a preacher. What, what we're asking are young men with a very different life experiences because of this void inside of the African-American culture and our society, leadership-wise, to make amazing stands and then hold themselves accountable to them under an incredible pressure. And we are a hateful, attack-filled generation in the social networking world where we can hide behind things. That is undeniable with what's particularly going on with women. Go check out Ann Killian's uh, feed in in San Francisco uh, recently, and I can tell you from knowing women broadcasters and marrying one, what they embark upon. So we are a hateful society behind the void, uh, behind the, the, uh, the, whatever the, the shadow of social networking. And so these people, these kids are standing up and really it's an interesting, interesting spot. I, I will say this about Kaepernick, regardless of whether or not you agree with what he said, and I'm sure most of the, or what he did, and I'm sure most of you don't, he did create a conversation. And more importantly to me, he stood up and answered questions and didn't hide from it. What drives me crazy is the person who makes that statement does that, that, that action and then when pushed on, oh, I was hacked or, oh, I didn't really mean it that way. Oh, I'm being misinterpreted by the media. I, to his credit, I have not heard that for one moment. And I, for that, I appreciate the effort to try to make a statement. And now 
It's very interesting to watch how different Jabari came out really strong. Steph Curry, who's so aware of everything, is seems to be on the Jordan approach. If I'm not going to annoy anyone, said, "Hey, I understand his right." Like it's a great conversation. It's circling around. It's gone from everybody everywhere. And I honestly am a huge believer. Uh, actually, I share this. Locked on Bills did a podcast this week with uh, Tyler Tynes. Uh, who's a sports SB Nation writer about, as he writes about things that make people uncomfortable, race and sports. They have three black quarterbacks in Buffalo, which is, has a historical racism to that city. And not any more than maybe any other, but it has one. It's a particularly white city. And, you know, northern cities traditionally are. And uh, particularly that north. The, and this conversation made me crazily uncomfortable. There were comments that he made that I listened to, and I was like, oh, my God, no. Like, and really just had a very, very hard time digesting through my ears, accepting, and not thinking he was just, just overdoing it. And at times, his feeling of hatred toward white people was really hard to handle and made me amazingly uncomfortable and... Then I stopped and was like, this is good for me. You've got to listen to it. He believes it. He's saying this. That's not because he's crazy. That's because he believes it and he feels it. And I have no spot in my life to understand where that's coming from. So listen to it and try to grasp where that is arising from. And I think that's a lot of what's going on right now. And I think it's really valuable. But I think what's interesting about it, and this is back to my point, is that it's being thrown because of a void in leadership on 24-year-old, 25-year-old, 26-year-old athletes. I mean, that's that's incredible to me. Um, and that's my point. I have a thousand other thoughts about where we are, none of which are probably necessary right now. Um, uh, but I, w- I, I will end on this. And this is on the media and on all of us. If you, for 10 plus years... Continually tell your audience that everything is terrible and everything is awful. Maybe for, for no, we're probably verging on, yeah, about 13, 11 years of, I would classify this, and maybe 15 years, and maybe 19, but really, uh, I think over a decade of pundits continually telling with extremism that how terrible and awful everything is. And how evil everybody is and crooked and awful. And I didn't mean to use that word um, now because it's labeled. But uh, this is what you get. And, and I get it. If, if our, you know, if MSNBC got out there and said, you know, that policy that just passed by the Republican Congress is really not that far off of what we want. And it's pretty close and actually gets done most of the things we want. And that's a pretty good compromise. And, um, you know, the fact that George W. Bush is actually – the taxes have dropped a little bit and the economy's up a little bit. It's not that bad. Like, I got it. That's no ratings. And if Fox, you know, were to go on or even CNN and say, you know, our GDP has grown at 2-plus percent. And you know what? Maybe in the real in the real economy after the fate, we're never going to have an economy that ever grows at 8 or 9 percent again. And that's so that's probably actually a reasonable growth level. I got it. Like, that's really boring and it doesn't work. But this – we're paying the price – 
for decade plus of everyone telling everybody how awful everything is. Um, and maybe, maybe to the point of, of Tyler Tynes and other people, if I were to tell you that I just don't think any of it's nearly as bad as we say it is from either side of the table, um, maybe Tyler Tynes, who was the guest on SB Nation, would tell me that that's because I have no understanding of what most of our society is experiencing. He might be right. But that would have value. All right, I don't know where the hell that just came from or heck that just came from, and I apologize for the length of it. I guess I felt like I needed to get it out. Maybe I am really ready to go to five days a week. I will talk to you Monday. It is Locked On Jazz, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for tuning in. If you didn't hate that last part too much, please give me a review and five stars on iTunes. They mean a lot. They help getting guests. They, they matter tremendously. I appreciate it. I will talk to you later. Thanks a lot. Sorry if that tangent was a little out there.